Amen. Thanks, guys, for singing that. Uh, I'm not one for gardening and uh, mowing and stuff like that, but if I think there's a chance of finding $50, then I'll probably go back into my yard a little bit more often. I think Jewel's going to offer everyone in his street, can I just look after your yard for you after that? Uh, no, praise the Lord. That's good. It's good to acknowledge when God blesses like that. Um, I went for a run one day and I found 20 bucks on, this, on the footpath, so I'm like, see, that's why you should exercise, because you find money lying on the ground. Uh, no, praise the Lord. Um, so as John said, yeah, Pastor is obviously quite unwell at the moment, so he just asked me this morning if I could take care of tonight, so that's why I'm here, but please pray for him, pray for his health and just regenerating and uh, just keep him in your prayers. But uh, let's have a look at some scripture tonight. Let's turn to Luke 10 if you're not already there. And uh, thank Cody for reading that passage. Probably sounds a little bit familiar from two Sunday nights ago. Um, it's what I was going to preach two Sunday nights ago, but so you get to hear it tonight. Um, but I think, it, I think it might just, all this might be of the Lord, because even what Pastor preached this morning, I think kind of this goes very nicely with, because he was talking about the lost and hell and, and looking to, to reach people. And uh, tonight I want to talk about identifying your neighbour. Um, identifying your neighbour and having a greater love for the lost and and really seeing people how God wants us to see them. Um, so we're just going to have a look at that, look at that tonight. Um, but why don't we pray first and then we'll we'll have a look at a few things here about identifying a neighbour. All right, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that somebody has prayed for us and somebody did pray for us, Lord, when we needed you. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you are always open to our cry and you hear our prayers, Lord God. Uh, Father, I thank you for the many people who have uh, brought our names uh, before you, Lord God, in earnest prayer, and we thank you uh, for providing them for us, Father. And uh, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to bring people before your throne of grace. And uh, Lord, we thank you also for this evening uh, that we get to come here and meet together as a local body and uh, to hear your word, Lord God, and to, to sing and to give unto you, Father. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of all of these things. Lord, we do want to bring our pastor before you. We thank you for him. He is a wonderful gift to this church. And uh, Father, we just ask that you would strengthen him uh, physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, Lord God. Uh, we pray that you would grant him what he needs, grant him the rest that he needs, Father. And uh, Lord, we pray that you would bring him back safely this week and uh, being able to do the things that you've called him to do, Lord. Father God, we pray now that you'd please help us to listen Help us to receive of you, Lord God, and I pray that this would be a help and a blessing to each one of us. I pray you'd help us, Lord, to see people how you want us to see them. And uh, Lord, we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I said we're going to look at identifying your neighbour and, you know, I mean, I guess we could say the blanket statement, well, everyone's your neighbour, so, you know, you just got to look at everyone. That's great, but I think that can just be too general uh, and maybe even sometimes it's a little bit overwhelming, like, oh, I've got to love everyone. So we're going to look at some specific things about what your neighbour might look like. Um, but I guess, you know, let's ask you a question first, first and foremost. Who, like me, finds it hard to love people that you don't know? I mean, it's easy to love the people you've grown up with or, you know, people that you're... Uh, in, in constant fellowship or communication with, but people that you don't know too well, it's hard to give of yourself and, and, and to love them how God wants us to love them. Um, and so that's probably something that will come in a little bit tonight is, is, is finding that space in your heart for those kind of people. 
Because God wants you to love them just as much as he wants you to love the person in your family, the person that you do know well. Okay? So, and our neighbour is all of those people. So um, tonight is not really a message on how to get people saved. It's really just a message to help us to see people how God wants us to see them so they have an opportunity to get saved. That's, that's really what we're talking about tonight. So it's, it's how to see people so they don't stay lying in a ditch, helpless and hopeless like the, the person who was lying in a ditch in the passage that Cody just read. So if you have a look here in Luke 10, we'll look at verse number 27. And this is somebody, this is a lawyer answering Jesus when Jesus asked him, hey, what does the Bible say about eternal life, how you get eternal life? And uh, in his response in verse 27, he says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbour as thyself. And he mentions three people in that verse, God, your neighbour and yourself. And we're not talking so much about ourself tonight, but we're talking about God and our neighbour and in linking those two things together. How does God want us to see our neighbour? How does he want us to view our neighbour? How does he want us to identify who our neighbour is? And so in verse 29, this man says, he asks, who is my neighbour? And isn't that a good question? Who is my neighbour? And, you know, we've probably heard a million messages on something like this and you've probably heard a million times that your neighbour is not just the person that lives next door to you. But sometimes I think that's what we think. It's just the person or the people in our immediate context or in our immediate sight. But we need to have different vision. We need to have a vision that God says to have. So we're looking at people as souls that need a saviour. Not just, oh, that's just a, a random person that walked past me, or a random person that sat next to me today, or a random person that I, that I work with today. Looking at them as souls in need of a saviour. And not just looking at the people we are comfortable with as, oh, that's just the person in my family. Well, maybe they're a person in your family who needs to be saved. So identifying these different things about who they are. So the question also, I mean, he says, who is my neighbour? But I guess my question is also, why should we identify our neighbour? Because he says, you know, you're supposed to love yourself as your neighbour and this lawyer says, well, who's my neighbour? But what's the importance of identifying who your neighbour is? And I'll just get you to look, it's still in Luke 10, just, just back, back up a few verses. Uh, Luke 10 verse 1 it says this, it says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come. So Jesus talks at the start of this chapter about reaching people, sending people out and to reach the lost, those who need to be saved. And he was going to be going to those same places afterwards that he had sent these people out to. So if you think about that for a second, the disciples were sent out to go and talk to people about Jesus, about who Jesus is, about what Jesus has done. And so he had sent them out or what Jesus was going to do and so they were going to be talking about Jesus. And that verse, that verse number one says that he himself, Jesus himself, was also going to go to those places at a later date. So if we think about why should we identify a neighbour, what's the importance of that? It's because we're probably a little bit like the disciples, maybe a little bit of a forerunner for what Jesus might be doing in that person's life. So we can be a testimony, a witness, we can be loving them like how God says to love our neighbour and then 
sometime later in their life, they're going to see maybe God do something and then they're going to go, oh, that's right, that person was telling me about that. Or I, I know I can go and talk to somebody about that. So these disciples were like the forerunner of what Jesus was going to do. Well, we need to see ourselves like that. Is God's going to do a work in people's lives, but we need to be the one who are, who are you know, processing that work beforehand so God can keep doing something. And even just like those, those guys sung, somebody prayed for me. Hey, I, if you've heard my testimony, if I've shared some things with you, I would say a lot of the reason that I came back to the Lord is because my family was praying for me. And it's a little bit like this, like God wanted to do something in my life and he was going to do something in my life and my family were like in, behind the scenes praying for me for a long time. So they were looking at me, they were identifying that, hey, I'm their neighbour. I'm their family member, but I'm their neighbour who needs to have a work done in their life. So we need to have that vision of everyone around us. And I know that's like sometimes like, Wow, that's, that's, that's pretty full on. We need to look at everyone like that. But that's what God's saying, is our focus needs to be on this. I mean, we can get pretty focused on a lot of other stuff, but, hey, we need to peel it all back sometimes and go, it's about loving our, loving our God and loving our neighbour. So putting these things into context. So let's have a look at this. So really, like I said, everyone is your neighbour, but let's look specifically. And from verse 20, 27... Jesus, or from verse, 20, uh, verse 30, Jesus goes on and talks about the story about the Good Samaritan. Uh, a very familiar passage, and you know, we already had it read for us tonight, so we don't really have to go over it too much because we're going to pull some verses out here and just see how, even in this passage, we can identify what our neighbour might look like. So what kind of person could your neighbour be? Well, in verse 30, in Jesus' parable, it was someone that went from Jerusalem to Jericho and I would say this, that this Samaritan had no prior meeting or engagement or appointment with the man on the ground. He, didn't, he had never met this man before. So this Samaritan is, is journeying, is walking on his way, and he finds this man helpless, hopeless, half-naked, dying in a ditch. He didn't have a prior appointment with this man. He didn't know him from a bar of soap. You know, I say that expression around our house a few, a few times, and I've explained it to my kids so many times. They're like, I still don't understand. I don't know them from a bar of soap. When you're older, you'll probably understand it. But this, this Samaritan had no idea who this man was. Why is that important? Because your neighbour is likely going to be somebody that you have never met before. And you might be like, well, duh, everyone is someone I've never met before unless you've grown up with them. But that's the point. We need, to, we need to not be just, you know, tunnel vision of the people that I already know and I can't accept anymore outside of that. This Samaritan saw, hey, there's someone in need there. I'm going to go help them. And that's kind of what we need to expect, that God's going to impress upon us to help someone that we do not know, someone that we haven't had any prior engagements with, someone that we've never had a conversation with, but we need to have a conversation somehow about Christ with them. And that's going to put us outside of our comfort zone. Because I know myself, I like to just talk to the people that I'm comfortable with. I don't want to like stretch myself outside of that. And by the nods of the heads, I can see that probably most of us are like that. And maybe that's a little bit of our Aussie culture as well, is that we're just comfortable with who we're comfortable with. 
But we need to identify that. It could be someone that crosses our path just briefly. But the question is, are we looking for these opportunities? Are we identifying that, hey, I could influence somebody today for the Lord and it could only be a five-minute encounter with that person? We need to be thinking along the lines of that. Wouldn't it be great if we were only expected to, to love our friends or people we already know? I mean, that would take the load off, wouldn't it? And then that person who knows that person, they could just love them and we could just be, you know, we could just focus on these few people in front of us. But that's not what God's saying. That's not what God expects. You know, if a person is only in your life for 15 minutes, is it a waste of time to look to share Christ with them? And I think most of us would be like, blanket, no, that's not a waste of time. But how many times do we do that? Take the example, you know, if you take public transport to work or something like that and you are literally sitting next to someone for 15 minutes or more, we can often think, ah, it's only 15 minutes. By the time I start a conversation with them, we're going to be at our destination and it's really not worth it. But it is worth it (laughs) because that conversation could take five minutes. You could pose a question. You, You know, they could ask you a question. You just never know what's going to happen. And that's the point. We need to be people that have this focus of, hey, God can do anything even in a limited time frame. And so this Samaritan sees this guy and he doesn't know him from a bar of soap, but hey, who knows how long it's going to take him, but he's, he's willing to give up his time to, to help this person. So can we afford five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes or more, a lunch break? Can we afford that to help somebody? You know, a few years ago, we were driving along Gympie Road and the Gympie Road, Beams Road intersection there, and there was a car broken down and it was obviously blocking the traffic and nobody's helping this guy. So we we come up behind him and and he's just stuck there. He's sitting in the car. He's got his wife and and a child in the back and nobody's stopping to help him. I'm like, man, we need to help this guy. So, because I didn't know him from a bar of soap. (laughs) And so I just pull over hop out like I had Nicole and the kids in the car, pull over, hop out, and I'm like, dude, do you need a hand? I probably didn't call him dude, but I said, hey, man, do you need a hand? And uh, he's like, yeah, I just, need to, I just need to push this over the side of the road. I'm like, yeah, cool, okay. So he hopped in and I helped push, and then as soon as I started doing that, then other people came along and, and pushed this guy off to the side of the road. And those guys left, and, and he's off the side of the road. I'm like, hey, do you need anything else? Do you need me to help you call RACQ or anything? He's like, no, no, all good, all good. I'm like, okay, so... I just had my business card in my, in my wallet, so I'm like, here, if you need anything else, just let us know. If you, if you can't get onto RSQ or whatever, just let me know. I'm just happy to help with anything. And he's like, oh, okay, thanks. And so that was it. And then I think maybe the next day he emailed me and he just said, hey, thanks for helping us out. That was, you know, really nice of you, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're just doing what people do. But I could have easily just gone, ah, oh, you know, What's the point in, in reaching out to this guy? I didn't have to give him my number. I didn't have to share my personal details with him. I could have just helped him and then moved on. But I did that because I'm like, hey, there could something could come out of this. Like I wanted to help this guy anyway, but giving him my card, which said Good Shepherd Baptist Church and has my contacts on it, I'm just trying to open a door there for this guy. So he emailed me and then I emailed him back 
and then we ended up, you know, catching up. Our families caught up, you know, at a park somewhere one time and had lunch and, you know, I just shared with them about the church and stuff. And there wasn't a lot of spiritual conversation, but it just was an open door. And to this day, every time we have an event, so if it's a, a Christmas carols or an Easter service or some evangelistic thing, I still have his number in my, in my contacts and I send him an invitation to those things. And so I, I go through my phone and I delete you know, old messages from people I don't like. No, I'm just, I delete old messages, free up space, and then I get down to this guy and I'm like, I'm not deleting that because it's just a reminder, hey, you know, something could come of this. I don't know. Like it was just a, a five-minute encounter with that guy. But this is, I think this is kind of what we need to, to look at is just identifying opportunities even in with people that we have no idea who they are. Because, you know, I mean, you've probably heard the thing, you know, strangers are just friends you haven't met yet. But that's true, isn't it? Strangers are friends you haven't met yet. Well, strangers are just people that don't know about Christ yet, probably. So we have an opportunity there. So just identifying that your neighbour could be someone you don't know or could be somebody that you only spend five minutes with. Look for an opportunity. Pray beforehand for an opportunity because I can tell you now the Lord wants you to be speaking to people about him. So identifying that. The next one is this. Verse number 30 says that this man had also fell among thieves. And I'd say, you know, this man on the ground probably didn't want to fall among thieves. I'd say if he had a choice, he'd be like, "Uh, I'd redo that. But that's where he found himself. And the Samaritan really, he could have shown prejudice against that if he wanted to. He could have walked past this guy and, and you know, it might have been pretty obvious that he'd fallen among thieves. I mean, he's, pretty, he's got basically no clothes on his back. He's beaten up. He's, he's bleeding. I think that would have been pretty obvious. So this Samaritan could have been like, oh, I don't want to associate with somebody like that. I don't, I don't really want to be involved with somebody like that. Uh, that guy deserves what he got, so you know, I'll just let God sort that out. I'll let someone else sort that out. And we can kind of have that little inkling, that inclination to just leave somebody where they're at because we don't like the way they live their life. Some things are standing in the way of us reaching out to somebody and it could be as simple as a prejudice against something in that person's life. And, you know, this Samaritan obviously would have had his views, his ways of thinking, his ways of living, and we do too. You know, corporately, I guess, even as Christians or as a church, but individually as well in our homes and stuff, we have ways of doing things. And sometimes when we see something that is outside of that, we're like, eh, I don't really want to get involved in that. But hey, maybe that's exactly where you need to get involved in, in bringing the message of Christ there. Putting some prejudices aside and going, I'm just looking at this person or these people as souls that need a saviour. So... We need to make sure that there's not things standing in the way of us seeing people as their neighbour. And, hey, here's some of the things that can stand, in our way, can stand in the way. And you might laugh at this, but a haircut someone has. Isn't it funny how something so simple and so trivial can actually make us reject somebody? Just a haircut. Now, a haircut does not say anything about who that person is, their soul, what kind of person they are. It's, it's a haircut. And yeah, we could say, you know, oh, people who have that kind of haircut usually are like this. Well, that's great. But there's a lot that aren't as well. But something so simple can, make, can just put us off trying to reach somebody. A simple haircut. A way of dressing. 
a way of speaking, you know, how they say stuff, what they say. We can be like, oh, I don't want to associate with that. I don't want to be known to be like talking to that kind of person. Well, Jesus wasn't really concerned about that kind of stuff. But we can be pretty precious, can't we? We can be like, ah, oh, no, nah, I don't want to associate with that. But simple things. Maybe it's even an occupation that you don't understand. What do you mean by that? I am not a construction worker. I am not someone who works on cars. I am not someone who, you know, is like your manly man. <laughs> so, in all honesty, I can be put off by people who are that. You know, I am like the more the office kind of guy. That's just me. That's, uh, you know, praise the Lord, we're all different. But I'm just saying, like, that can be enough to put me off trying to reach somebody because, like, oh, I don't fit into that environment. I don't know their jargon and their language. You know, when, when some of these tradies talk about stuff, I'm like, I'll just walk over here because I have no idea what you're talking about. You can feel a little bit like that. And that's with Christian people. And then you, you throw in the fact that they're not Christians, like, I really don't fit there. So I'm just going to leave that. But, hey, we, we need to get over ourselves a little bit when we're like that. And, I, and I'm saying that to myself, obviously. But it's something as simple as some, what somebody does for a job. We can use as, that as an excuse to, to not reach out to them. But they're our neighbour. They, the, they need Christ just as much as anyone else. What about this? A suburb they live in. And you can probably all think of some suburbs that you're like, I'm going to drive around that suburb so I don't have to go there. I don't want to associate with people from that suburb. You can probably think of a few. But really, that should not be a hindrance to reaching somebody. You know, if we're, if we're looking to, you know, door knock an area or something, you know, we shouldn't be like, oh, let's, let's skip that area. We shouldn't be like that. But we can be. An age group. Oh, the kids, you know, they're just young. They don't understand. Just focus on the adults. Focus on the mature people. Oh, kids pick up a whole lot more than some adults sometimes. I think kids are more receptive sometimes than some adults. Kids are a bit more innocent, but, hey, they, they know what you're talking about. So we shouldn't... And even, you know, if we flip that coin, older people... Hey, older people need salvation just as much as young people and everyone in between. So we've got to make sure that we're not identifying our neighbour because we're prejudiced against a certain age group and think that maybe they just don't need it or it's too hard. Um, a religious persuasion or a lifestyle you don't agree with, I mean, the list can really go on, but I guess for me personally, the neighbour that God usually wants me to reach out to is the one that I'm least comfortable with sometimes. Like the person, I don't, you know, their job, I really don't have anything to do with it or understand it, but maybe that's the person that, that God's pushing upon my heart to do something and, and to say something to. You know, I'd be happy to walk past them and, you know, say, oh, I don't have anything in common with it, but God's pushing, putting something there and we need to just identify that. And like I said, just continue to pray for opportunities. And when you do that, you'll find that most of the time they're not as scary as you think they are. I mean, I, I'm telling myself that, but it's true. Like, and, and, and Chris Crockett said, said this in his message. He's like, you know, the people that you think are the big, scary people who aren't going to listen are often the ones who are most receptive. 
So, and it, and it might not be, you know, the big bikey for you. It might be someone else. But whoever it is, God's, God's probably doing a work there and he's saying, hey, I want you to be part of that. So identify them as your neighbour. Love them as you love yourself. It's probably going to take you outside of your comfort zone. So it's probably someone that you, you don't have much time with. It's probably someone that you not, don't necessarily associate with. And the next one is this in verse 30 still. Uh, it says that, you know, these thieves stripped him of his raiment. Stripped him of his raiment. So I ask you a question. What material benefit or reward do you think that this Samaritan would have received from the guy lying half dead in the ground? He had nothing to give him. He had absolutely nothing to give him back. He wouldn't have had any money. He'd come into contact with thieves, so he's pretty much broke. He doesn't have any health, like really. He's lying there on the ground wounded, probably bleeding half to death. I don't know. They stripped him of his clothes, so he doesn't even have the shirt off his back to give. So this Samaritan identified that this guy has absolutely nothing to give back to me, but he helped him anyway. So when we're identifying who's my neighbour, who does God want me to reach, who does God want me to love like I love myself, it may be somebody that can't give you anything back. Why is that important? Uh, Probably because we always, even without thinking about it, try and help people that we think can probably help us at a later point. Like, it's probably in the back of our mind a little bit, like, yeah, I'll give that person time of day because I can probably call a favour upon them. They can probably help me out when I'm in need. But this guy on the ground, he, he had nothing to give back. So we need to uh, accept that it's likely your neighbour is somebody who, who can't give much back to you. And, you know... We would probably say, oh, that's pretty obvious. We shouldn't be living our Christian life like doing things just to get things back. But I guess it's just in our sin nature sometimes we think that way. So our job as Christians is not to love people for a material reward, but an eternal reward for that person as well, not just for ourselves. We don't, we don't you know, try and reach people just to make ourselves look good but because we're trying to help people meet Christ. It doesn't matter whether they can give us something back or not. So if God is impressing upon you to help someone, it's not so you can build a base of friends that can help you out one day. You're not building a little army of people that can give you back one day. We're not doing that. It's because when you love with no thought of return, it's showing the purity of Christ's love. So just think about that for a second. When we show genuine biblical love to somebody without expecting, wanting, needing anything back, we are truly representing Christ's love. Because when you love somebody with a thought of return, that's not how Christ loved. That's not how he gave. He didn't say, I'm giving this so that you can give back to me. No. He loved us first. So when we do that to people that we don't know, do that to people that maybe we don't usually associate with, do that to people that we don't always agree with, then we're actually showing the purity of Christ's love and that's what makes a difference in somebody. That's loving your neighbour, is when they see Jesus Christ coming out of you. When they stop seeing you just as a regular person and they see that difference in you that is Jesus Christ. So giving, loving without a thought of return. 
And really, Jesus, Jesus talked about this in Luke 6, and I'll just read a few verses here. You can flick there if you want. But Luke 6 from verse 31, it says, And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. So don't just love the people that love you, because everyone does that. Don't just act like the world and be like, oh, I'm only going to love the people that love me. That's what Jesus is saying. And he goes on to say, And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And he goes on about lending. But verse 35, he says, But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. Just do it because you're showing Christ's love, not because you want something back. Identify your neighbour going, I'm going to help that person. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to have a genuine conversation with that person because I care about their soul, not about how much money they have, what suburb they live in, whether they can repay me, whether they can do something for me or my family, but just because I love them and I want to be Christ-like towards them. That's what Jesus is saying. So how many people in our day, in our week, do we really look at like that? Do we really talk to like that? Do we really do things for like that? I mean, I'd have to say... Not as many as I should. But Jesus is saying you need to be looking like this. You need to be identifying your neighbour as, hey, you may not get anything back from this person, but do it because, do it the way I would do it because that's showing my love. And then they identify, oh, I need that. I need Jesus Christ. Identifying a neighbour is about identifying what you can do for someone, not what you can get from someone. And when I think about this, I think a lot about younger people and children. And what do you mean by that? Well, children really are quite dependent on others, aren't they? Really, they can't do too much for themselves. You know, you're talking about young children, they can't do too much for themselves. But even like primary school age children, they're, they're really depending on their, their, their parents and their families to help them make decisions and do stuff. So, you know... They're just even trying to just figure out their own life. Even some teenagers just trying to figure out their own life. Some young adults trying to figure out their own life. But I'm just saying, if you look at it on paper, they're really not worth the investment. Are they? But they are. (laughs) They are worth the investment. And I'm saying, you look at it on paper, they're not worth the investment. But guess what? Jesus isn't looking at people just on paper He's looking at their soul. He's looking at their need. He's looking at their life. He's looking at what he wants to make them. So when you look at a child, don't just go, oh, they're not worth the time because they won't understand what I'm talking about. Or they're not worth it because they're not going to be able to give me anything back. Look at the fact that you can invest in that person for eternity. You can change their life by introducing them to Jesus Christ. So don't write off the child because they're a child. And Jesus certainly didn't. They are worth giving up your time for. They're worth crossing the road for. They're worth crouching down and identifying what the problem is for. They're worth putting them on your own donkey or your own horse for. They're worth paying the money that the inn is charging you to take care of them for. They're worth all of that. Because Jesus Christ died for them just as much as the old person, just as much as the person in between. So we need to make sure that we're not... You know, casting off some people who are our neighbour just because they can't give anything back. So, our, you know, obviously I'm involved with our youth ministry, but our youth and young, young children ministry, they're so important. Please 
continue to pray for the people in those ministries because those children are so precious. And when you love without thought of return, people get to see who Jesus is. And, you know, I'm not just talking about children, but think about it in the light of children. Like, you often think they're not going to give us much back, but, man, we can invest so much. So your neighbour may not be able to give you much back. Let's keep going. Verse 30 still. There's a lot in this verse. So it says that this man on the side of the road was wounded. Have you ever thought this? God, I'm struggling to see who my neighbour is and who you want me to reach because there's all these needy, high-maintenance people in the way. There's all these people that just need lots of help in my life right in front of me and I'm, I'm struggling to see who my neighbour is that you actually want me to talk to. Have you ever thought that? Like, why, why can't my friends not have problems? Why can't my family members be easy to get along with? I just want to be able to reach some people, but there's all these problem people in the way. I know I've thought that many times. But this is exactly what, this is, this is what God wants us to see. Problem people, wounded people, people that don't have it all together. People that are sitting on the side of the road, half dead, wounded, and you've got to tend to them and help them. And God gets the glory for it. But we need to identify that our neighbour is probably somebody who is wounded. What does that mean? It means that they're probably in a sin that you don't like. It means that their, their life might be messy. There might be parts of their life that are just broken up and it just causes problems all over the place. But you might be the person who can come in there and introduce Christ to them. But you've got to get yourself a little bit messy to do that. So think about it. This person was bleeding, no doubt, had, had wounds and things all over him. If that Samaritan comes over and helps this man, he's going to get blood on his hands. He might get blood on his clothes. Some of that just might rub off onto him and then he ends up looking a little bit messy himself. Well, you guess, guess what? A doctor who only helps well, healthy people is not really a good doctor for the sick people, is he? So a Christian who only wants to involve themselves in people who are spiritually well is not a really good help to the person who's spiritually sick and wounded. So we need to make sure that we're not just associating and, and flocking together with the people who have it all together, but make sure we're looking and focusing our attention to the people who are wounded who need Jesus Christ. And yeah, they're a little bit messy, but hey, weren't we messy before we had Jesus Christ? And we were pretty appreciative of the people who crouched down and got some blood on their hands and their clothes, trying to help us to get to Jesus Christ. I know I certainly am appreciative of that. So we need to make sure that we're looking at people that way and not being too precious about whether some stuff kind of rubs off on us. And I'm not talking about sinful habits rubbing off on us, but just association that we might be scared of. What are people going to think about me when I'm talking to these people? I'm dining with the publicans and sinners. <gasps> what are the brethren going to think? Like, we, we shouldn't be thinking like that. Identifying that that's a wounded person that needs help. Nicole and I were talking to someone recently, someone who's not married, doesn't have kids, and um, we're talking about feeding kids, like when they're really young in a high chair kind of thing. 
and like how messy it can be. And you know, I hate mess. Like I hate stuff like on my hands and like on my face and stuff like that. So when Reese and Laura were little, I was struggling to allow them to hold the spoon and like, you know, get it all over their face. And, and you know, I had to be okay with the fact that it wasn't just going to go on the high chair table. It was going to go all over them and it was going to go all over the floor and everywhere. I had to like bring myself to be okay with that. And so we're talking to this person and they're like, no, well, I think when I have kids I'm going to, you know those squeezy things like a little yogurt thing, like baby food stuff? I'm going to like just give them that and like just squeeze it into their mouth and that, that way there'll be no mess. And we're like, good luck with that. And Nicole's like, you realise that even if you do that, babies are like, and you know, it still comes out all over there. Like, you will get messed no matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you have a hazmat suit on or what, like you will get messed when you have babies. But that's kind of how we think of people who are supposed to be our neighbour and we don't want to. We don't want to get a bit messy because we're a bit too precious about it. But we need to see that there's a need there. You know, that baby has a need to learn how to feed themselves and they're going to get messy doing it. Well, that person has a need and we're probably going to get messy to help them to come to Jesus. But we need to love them that way. See that that need should override our preciousness, our prejudices, the things that we don't like, the things that we don't agree with. Whatever it is that's stopping us, we need to just look past those things and see them as a person who needs Christ. And here's the thing. We need to identify that our neighbour is somebody that's wounded, but that we're in a position that can help them and that we have our own lives as an example because Christ has reached us, Christ has helped us, but we have a whole book of real-life examples as well. This is not a, you know, a fairy tale so we have, we have tools, we have equipment to help people see that they can get up off the side of the road. We just need to be willing to get a little bit dirty sometimes. So your neighbour is likely someone who is wounded. Have a look at this, verse 31, 32. I just have one more and then we'll have a look at how to love them. Uh, verse 31, it says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at, that, at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. It's likely your neighbour is somebody that other people don't want to help. That other people may have given up on. Maybe they even saw that there was a need in that person's life and they're like, ah, too hard. Maybe they've even tried and gone, too hard. But your neighbour is probably somebody that other people have tried to help or just do not want to help. So this guy's lying on the side of the road and plenty of people have walked past him. That's not an excuse for us to go, well, if they walk past him, then I'm comfortable with walking past him. Because you're the one who holds the truth. You're the one who holds the answers. You're the one who has the first aid kit in your back. You're the one who has the donkey that you can put them on. You're the one that has the cash that you can take to the innkeeper and help them to help them help him. You have all this stuff. We have all this stuff. We were that guy once, so we need to remember that you know some people would have passed us by when we were lying in the ditch. But some people didn't and helped us. So let's be those people. Let's remember where we came from and be the people that do want to help people. Because here's the thing, identifying your neighbour has really never been a popularity contest. 
It's not popular to think about other people in 2019. It's all about think about yourself, get yourself set up, worry about you first, and if you can help anyone else, then that's like a bonus. That's like kind of what our society and culture is teaching us today, but really, loving your neighbour, that never really comes first on, the, on society's list of doing things and how to, how to you know, be popular and all that. But we're not in a popularity contest. We're in a loving people like Christ love people thing. Not a contest, just life. So make sure that we're not you know, just doing it for show, doing it for the reward, all those sorts of things. So that's a, few, that's a few things just to, I guess, help us to see differently the people around us. Identifying our neighbour could be one, two, all of all of these things at any given time in any given person that we come across. So praying accordingly, like, Lord, please help me to identify these things. Help me to you know, get over myself in this area. Help me to accept that I'm going to get a little bit dirty. Help me to love that person and not think about what I'm not going to get back. Just praying this way and identifying these things. So I'll just, go, I'll just give you two more things, and, and this is what I'll say. How to not treat your neighbour. So if you've identified who that neighbour is and that they have a need, just one thing about how not to treat them. You know in John 8 there was a, the story of the woman caught in adultery and they brought, brought her before Jesus and they wanted to you know, stone her and judge her and you know, say how bad she was, which made them feel better about themselves. Well... In verse 4 and 5 of that, they were pointing out that this lady had done the wrong thing. And yeah, she'd done the wrong thing. But pointing out someone's sin doesn't necessarily mean that you're helping them. You know, Pastor Lloyd said it a hundred times. You know, you can't love somebody while you're judging them. And it's so true. You can't help someone when you're poking holes in their life. You just make them more deflated. So when you identify your neighbour, you might get through these things and go, okay, even though I don't agree with that person and they've got a funny haircut or whatever it is, I'm not going to be judging them for living like an unsaved person. I need to love them and show them Christ's love. Because what else would we expect an unsaved person to be like? Of course they're going to be like the world. Of course they're going to be, you know having the stuff wrong in their life and saying the wrong things and doing the wrong... Of course they are. I mean, even Jesus said, Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Unsaved people just live like unsaved people without the thought of God in their mind. So we need to, as Christians, look at these people, identifying them as our neighbour, but not judging them for being far from God, helping them to get closer to God. And that's so important. You can't love someone if you're judging them. And don't blame the lost for living like the world. I know I was living like the world before I knew Christ. Everyone lives like the world before they know Christ. So make sure that we're not getting on our high horse of righteousness and you know Christianity and I'm, I'm a really good Bible-believing Christian and I don't associate with the unsaved because Jesus certainly was not like that. He reached out to the unsaved. So that's how not to treat them. Just don't judge them and remember where you came from, which is the last thing I'm going to say tonight, is how you actually do love them. And it's really about remembering where you came from. How does Jesus counteract this judgment? So when we talk about the the woman caught in adultery, how does he counteract that judgment 
for us to identify how to have a greater love for the lost or people caught in sin, whatever it is. And in John 8 verse 7, he said this. He said, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And I would say that this represents the statement, remember where you came from. Remember that you're not perfect. Which is kind of what he was saying to these people. Hey, you're pointing out something wrong in her life, but how many things have you done wrong in your life? You're saying that her sin's what, worse than yours? Well, all sin is sin, isn't it? All sin is done against God. All sin doesn't please God. So whether it's adultery or telling a lie, hey, we've all done something. So remember where you came from. Remember you were broken and wounded on the side of the road once too. So don't get all high and mighty, but love them like you love yourself. And here's the thing. How do you love the neighbour? Well, remember the advantage that you now have. What do I mean by that? I mean, we're all here tonight. I hope we're all here tonight. But we're all here tonight in church with a Bible open before us, being able to hear the truths of the Word of God, the thing that changes somebody's life for eternity, that's an advantage. We have an advantage. If you're a, Christian, if you're a person growing up in a Christian household, you have a great advantage over someone who does not grow up in a Christian household. So we need to not take advantage of our advantage, but recognise that we have an advantage We get lots of teaching on how to be a Christian, how to love God, how to love other people. Let's remember that, hey, we're starting a little bit ahead of these other people now that we're saved. So let's help them get to where we are. Let's help them come to Christ where we are. Remember the advantage we have. If it wasn't for some of these things that we have, we'd probably still be lying in the ditch. If we didn't have anyone come to us and teach us about Christ, then we'd still be lying in the ditch. We'd still be helpless and hopeless and not have anything to give anyone. So thankfulness, really, if we're thankful that we got out of the ditch and we came to Christ, that should lead to compassion. That should make us view all these people around us in a different way. That we're thankful for what we've received, so we should have compassion on those who are in that situation we used to be in. Not judging them, but loving them and going, they need help and I have the tools to be able to help them. So we need to see people this way. And back in Luke 10, 27, it says this, to love thy neighbour as thyself. You know that there's no real instruction on how to love yourself? It's just given that you do love yourself. We all love ourselves. We already have ourselves in our heart. You don't have to try and put yourself in your heart. You're already there. You know what this whole message is really about? It's about finding space to put other people in your heart. That's what it is. It's it's looking at people and going, I need to find some room in my self-filled heart for that person. Because I love me, I need to love them like I love me. I need to show Christ's love to them like I love Christ's love in me. I need to like move myself aside and put that person in here. And you can only do that when you see yourself in that person lying on the ground, wounded with nothing to give. 
Because if you're looking at that person going, uh, no, they deserve where they're at, so I'm not going to help them. Well, guess what? They're not going to get in your heart. They're going to stay in the ditch helpless. But if you go, oh, I used to be there and I remember what that was like. I remember being in need of something in my life. I remember feeling helpless and hopeless. And I remember watching all those people walk by me and feeling desperate. I remember what that's like. Man, I need to love that person. I need to share something that I have with them that's going to help them get up, help their wounds get dressed, help them to be able to comprehend the message of Christ's love. I need to help them because I know what that was like. That's loving your neighbour, putting them inside your heart, seeing yourself in them, remembering what we used to be like. It's really simple, actually. Sometimes it's hard to do, but it's really simple because people are people. We all have faced similar problems. So we just need to see, hey, yeah, I faced something like that before and Jesus Christ helped me. The message of Jesus Christ helped me. Not just now, but for eternity. So seeing ourselves in other people. The Samaritan had compassion on this person. He used his time and resources that were set aside for himself on somebody else. So what time do you have? What five minutes do you have set for you to like look at your phone on the train or at work or whatever that you could be using for somebody else? What resources do you have that you could be using for somebody else? It may be money, it may be something else. You can give lots of things to other people and help them when they're in need. It may be pushing a car off the side of the road to get it out of the way of the traffic. It could be a hundred million different things. But we need to see that that person needs that. They may not know Christ, so I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to love them. I'm going to put some of that space in my heart for them, not just for me. We need to train our heart to identify our neighbour and have a greater love for the lost. And this is the last thing I'll say. Just have a look in Luke 10, verse 36 to 37. So Jesus went through this, this story of the, the Good Samaritan and then he asked this lawyer, he said, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbour unto him that fell among the thieves? And he, that's the lawyer, said, well, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. So you know what? When you identify your neighbour, you need to be neighbour unto them. Have mercy on other people. Have compassion on other people. See yourself in other people. Appreciate what you got when you were lying on the ditch from somebody else, that you were showing God's compassion and you were showing God's mercy. Have mercy on the people around us. Don't judge them. Don't you know, push them aside because they're different to you. They live differently differently. They live in a different area. They dress differently. They're in a different job. Whatever it is that's blocking, standing in the way of them hearing or seeing Jesus Christ's love, just push those things aside and have some compassion, have some mercy on them and see them as a soul in need of a saviour. That's, that's the message, is really identifying that they could be all these different things, but even though they are all those different things, I just need to have compassion and mercy on them and love them like I love myself. That's it. But we need to pray to see this way. Because guess what, guys? We don't naturally look at people this way. It doesn't come naturally to get up and you know, see everyone like this. We usually just see the problems and you know, the mess. But we need to ask God to help us to see people this way 
and then we can minister to them the way he wants us to. So some thoughts on maybe how to pray, how to look at people, how to interact with people. Uh, I pray that's a help. Um, yeah, I think God wants us to assess this all the time, reassess it. How are we looking at people? Are we identifying our neighbour like he said? So that's it for tonight. So I'll just have a word of prayer and then we can be dismissed. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that you are a good God, that you are perfect, that you are holy, and that, Lord God, you have what we need, Father. We thank you that you know and understand our soul, Lord, that we are in need of a saviour. We thank you, Lord, that the people that have helped us in our lifetime, that you've placed them there for us, Lord, and you've strengthened us, you've grown us. And, uh, Father, I thank you that we now have opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people. Help us, Lord, even as we looked at tonight, to identify who those people are in our lives, Lord. I pray that you would guide us in this. Help us, Lord, to uh, really be compassionate and merciful to those around us. Uh, Help us, Lord, to see ourselves in the people that you place in our paths, Lord. I pray that we would use our time and our resources to share the love of Jesus Christ with another. Help us, Lord, even to pray effectively each day that we would see people how you want us to see them. We thank you, Lord, that we hold the answers in your word. And I pray that you would help us to share that with another, Lord God. I thank you that you have the words of life and that you are the way, the truth and the life. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for this time together this evening. I thank you for your church, Lord God. Thank you once again for our pastor. We pray that you would please continue to strengthen him, help him. And please help us, Lord, as we go about our week, this week ahead, Lord God. Please prepare us for those that we will meet and help us to be used of you, Lord God, to influence somebody else's life. Father, I pray you'd also prepare us for our winter revival. I pray that you would strengthen those who will be speaking. Help us, Lord, to attend and to to receive what we need, Lord God. And I pray that you would guide us as a church to be more effective for you, Lord God, and uh, to share the love of Christ with those that you want us to. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.